0: Hello and welcome to the PD Performance Podcast. Today's episode of the podcast is with Rouen and former Stad Ronce and Ealing Trailfinders, as well as Lansdowne RFC and Kilkenny College, out half come fullback Peter Leiden. Peter is currently playing his trade over in France, playing with Rouen in Pro D2. Rouen have had an up and down start to the season with three wins and two losses so far. Peter is currently on his week off so we had a conversation about how he feels the start to the season has gone and where there are areas of improvement. There was also great insight in this conversation into the mentality in France and the difference between the approach of teams and players to away games versus home games. We talked a lot about mental performance and how Peter prepares for the game and prepares an Self to be primed and ready to play at his best come game day we talked about his own confidence and experience as a player and a lot about his advice to younger players playing at 10 and 15 in relation to how they think about the game as well as how they communicate on the field of play We spoke a little bit about his focus on developing his skills down through the years, as well as his focus on place kicking and how he really relishes the challenge of place kicking for Rouen at the moment and in his professional rugby career. We also talked about how Peter grew up playing both soccer as well as hurling and rugby and how that helped him to be a more complete rugby player and how he would advise younger athletes to do so themselves as they develop as a rugby player or into whatever sport that they are going into in the future. We also then finally touched on speed and strength conditioning and his own personal approach to developing those qualities. This was a super chat guys, Peter is really eloquent, he's really able to convey his feelings, he's a great command of the English language. And it was really enjoyable to listen to him. I just sat back, asked the questions and really, really enjoyed getting his perspective and gaining his perspective. I wish him and Rouen all the best in the future and in the rest of the season. I'll definitely be keeping a keen eye on their performances this season. So guys, I hope you take something from this. I hope you enjoy it. And as always, if you do enjoy it, please remember to like it, share it and send it. What is up, guys? This podcast is kindly sponsored by Sam Portland's Sports Speed Certification. Now, that is a tongue twister. Sam is rolling out the certification with the goal to help athletes to find the information around speed coaching and how to implement the practices to improve your athlete's speed over time. Sam is also offering all PD Performance listeners a 15% discount on the certification. Just use the code PDP Speed and message Sam over at sam at or message him on his social media channels, which are at coachsportland. What you will get access to is all of the materials, videos and guides and tools of how to make your athletes faster. Those are all available online. You will also get access to a free live event Sam is going all over the world putting in live events and delivering presentations to a number of coaches that is included and you'll get 15% off the whole lot as well as that you'll get a one hour long coaching call with Sam four weeks after the event to follow up so that he can help you to implement the strategies with your athletes and perfect your speed coaching process so once more that is PDP Speed is your code message Sam get on board and hope to see you all at an event season two of the pd performance podcast is kindly sponsored by output sports output sports make athlete testing and monitoring simple portable and efficient their single sensor tool enables the measurement of over 160 exercises spanning agility speed power mobility reactive strength and much more the tech is utilized by the fa leinster rugby Limerick Hurling and your very own PD Performance, to name but a few, but also gyms, clinics and schools around the UK and Ireland, and they're now branching out into the States as well. As a listener of this podcast, you can get 5% off with the code PT5 p-e-t-e-y-5 so get onto output sports as soon as you possibly can because i am achieving great things with my sensor that i've been using so far this season i've had great buy-in with my athletes and i've been using that myself too and i gotta say it's a lot of fun so contact output sports with code pt5 to avail of your discount peter to peter (laughs) <laughs> Welcome to the PD Performance Podcast. Great to have you on. Uh, you're on a week off. You're back in Ireland at the moment.
1: So, what's on the agenda since you got back? Cheers. Cheers for having me on. Um, yeah, now back in Ireland now for the week. So, yeah, just catching up with a few few friends, seeing my seeing my girlfriend who's back here as well. So, um, and then just trying to get a bit of rest, um, but also keep yourself ticking over as well. So, um, so yeah, no, it has been nice. It's been nice to just chill out a bit. So. Yeah, how does plan. the how does the coffee compare? Uh, it's tough because my parents have a shitty machine compared to mine, so I'm trying to make do with that, but uh, it's not great. But uh, to be fair, it's my, my missus actually her mum has a pretty decent machine, so I'm trying to spend as much time up there so to keep keep the addiction going. But now nah, that's good. It's grand. What way do
0: you take your coffee? Actually,
1: now that no, I'm th- now no, I'm here uh, asking, yeah. Uh, normally a big flat white man um sometimes if like if i'm off to the gym like early i might just have an espresso um but yeah normally a flat white i'd say maybe a cortado as well if i'm getting real spicy but um but yeah normally a flat white and how are the the skills coming on are they are the lads
0: uh in rouen <laughs> are they tasking you with that in the in the yeah.
1: uh, change room they're good, they're good. I, I really enjoy it. Like I'm literally like fully addicted to it. Um so yeah, no, it's good. Um I was half thinking of like maybe getting the machine and bringing it into the club and start like charging boys, but uh haven't got around right to it yet. But um but no, it is good fun, it's something to something to do away from rugby and I enjoy it. And uh, there's actually a cafe in Ruan that they sort of let us come in and sort of get behind the counter and get a bit of experience. So because um, it's potentially something that I think of doing maybe post rugby. So um so yeah it's nice just to sort of have that and sort of be able to get a bit of hands-on experience so. no, that's any,
0: any more movement on those aspirations to move into business are you kind of just focused on the rugby at the moment
1: it's slow burner yeah um yeah for the moment it's it's rugby and just sort of seeing whether it is actually something that i would definitely want to do so i'm very much keeping it on the i the slow burner but because um, obviously the other thing as well is like I don't know how long I'm going to be in France for so like I wouldn't want to like be starting up a business in France and then being like right I'm, I'm leaving now so I kind of need to get my life together and see where I'm going to be in a few years <laughs> and then, then I can start making some sort of concrete plans but um, yeah for the moment it's just kind of like learning more about coffee and just sort of seeing what, seeing what needs to be done from that sort of side of things and then take from there so.
0: But you do have another couple of years on the contract, including this yeah. year. And it seems like you're happy enough out and around. You're a bit of a bit of a superstar out there winning the player of the season last year. Like so you your rugby's going well, which probably gives you a chance to think about other things as well.
1: Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Like I have I signed a three year last year, so I'm in the first year of that three year now. So um, and yeah, I'd like to think like four miles have been pretty decent. So Hopefully can keep that going. So yeah, it does like it does take the pressure off when you're when you're performing on the pitch and you can kind of you can kind of get your head into some other stuff. Um and yeah, it's just easier when the rugby's taking care of itself. So um so yeah, no, I'm enjoying I'm enjoying France. I like I like the lifestyle out there. I like that rugby is very much a big part of the culture, like more so than Ireland and England. There's like there's literally towns that we play in where it's just, like, absolutely mental. It's like, it's like football clubs in England. Like, you just have crazy fans and stuff. So, um, so yeah, no, it's, it's it's good fun. But, obviously, I don't know, like, once I finish up, I don't think I'd want to live in France post Be I don't think. Um, obviously, I know, you never know. That might change in a couple of years. But I think for the moment, I'd want to either move back to Ireland or, or England. So, um, so, yeah, but now nah, for the moment, for the moment, I'm happy over there it's it's good fun so
0: yeah so lots to think about but the season obviously just started a month ago and it's been decent enough like a decent start you went three on the bounce didn't you winning and then the last couple of weeks you've unfortunately been on the wrong side of tight losses but how have you been have you been happy with your own performances so far and is it what you expected at the start of the season or what are the aspirations this season for
1: both you personally and for the group um, I think as a team, definitely the first three games were were a big positive because we played we played obviously the team that had just come up from the division below first game of the season away from home, and obviously the with the way the French are with home games like they would have been targeting that like like you can't believe so we managed to sort of meet fire with fire in that and got a good win there, um, and then sort of the theme like my first two years, the theme of our performances was we'd have one good win and then we'd lose the next week because boys just sort of think we were superstars. So that was the thing was to sort of back it up then the second week and we managed to beat Columbia at home and we'd never actually beaten them. Um, so that was good to get that win and then we had another home game. So then it was kind of this big thing of like, oh, geez, if we could go three on the bounce here, we'd be top of the league and stuff. And boys managed to get the win in that as well. So, um. And then obviously the last two games, they did a bit of rotating for Grenoble away, which kind of disrupted us a little bit. Um, and I'm not sure whether it was the right thing to do, just to kind of, I think, like we played we played three games, we we're going into our fourth, like lads aren't that fatigued, like you're coming off a pre-season where you're pretty you're pretty on it. So I don't think there was really that much need to rotate, but we made like 13 changes. And when you make that many changes to a team, it's hard to sort of keep the continuity. Um but having said that, like when we would have made those changes in the past, we would have gone away and lost by maybe fifty points. Whereas we were in the game right till the end. Um, we ne- probably sh- We definitely should have got a losing bonus point. We potentially could have won the game. So um, I think we've definitely progressed from from the years previously where you'd rotate the side and they just get absolutely hammered. So um, and then obviously our last game was was at home and that we just kind of. Just the weather didn't really suit us. I think we, because we, we like to sort of spread the ball around quite a bit, and uh, it was quite a wet day, and we just couldn't move them around. And even still, we still probably should have got the win, really. Um, but yeah, like I think overall, overall for the start of the season is pretty good. Um, I think we're fifth at the moment, which is which is pretty good for us. Um, so yeah, I think overall pretty happy with it. Um, and then from a personal point of view. Happy enough, never never too happy. I was quite harsh on myself, which is can be a bit annoying. But um, I think overall, I think I'm happy enough with where I'm at. Um, and yeah, hopefully can just keep it going. Then when we get back and just make sure we keep taking over and, and getting the wins. So.
0: It sounded like there you were trying to convince yourself back from... because back from the thought pattern that oh we should be doing better but then just trying to tell yourself look we are actually doing well here even though you have that want and that desire to look we could be going five from five here um but unfortunately you're gonna have those days where you just come out the wrong side of it it sounds like that was the weekend and then it's interesting to hear from a player point of view to obviously performance staff point of view um, you're saying we didn't need to rotate there was no need but I'm just looking at the fixtures like and how attritional the season is and I know myself that the coaching staff are probably thinking ahead rather than thinking immediately um, yeah. so they're probably thinking long term because it's a long old season like how many months of the year would you be playing and how many games would you play in a season and I, I know that you've said yourself it's extremely physical out there too
1: yeah, well like it's yeah, it's a 30 game season, and that's if you don't make the playoffs. If you make the playoffs, then you're talking potentially 34 games. Um and yeah, like it is like there's some big old boys in this league. Like like we were playing against the winger the other day, it was like six five and like 116 kilos. So <laughs> um so yeah, there's some big lads there's some big lags kicking about. So yeah, like it is it is a very nutritional league, but I just think that like Obviously, I'm not a performance, uh, yeah, performance yeah. coach or whatever, so I don't look too much into that. But I just think that, like, this early in the season to make that many changes, I just think yeah, more bad than good. Like, I think that's. I, my... I
0: completely understand where you're coming from, but I also understand where they're coming from as well. Yeah. And if I he had that... got over the line as well, then it'd be yeah. a completely different perspective.
1: Yeah, 100%. And I think, as well, obviously, you've got to factor in that, like, lads who aren't playing, it obviously gives them a shot, and if you do the first block, and there's lads who haven't played a single minute, obviously I can I can appreciate that lads are going to get a bit pissy. But um, I don't know. I just think I just felt like it was a missed opportunity because I think if we had played with what's sort of conceivably our best team, I think we would have probably won the away game. Um, and so the away like, games are huge, as you've just said yeah. there, like. A win away from home, it's just, it's massive over there. Like, it's like, a, it's almost like a double win, like. Um, so, yeah, it was just, it was just a shame with that. But um, I think if I step back and look at the sort of bigger yeah. picture, I can't be wider at it. So it's kind of like, yeah, fair enough.
0: Isn't it, Raj that says, like, the hardest aspect of coaching is keeping those lads that are on the periphery happy because if yeah. they're, they're not happy, then, like, it, it can permeate the group then and it can get a little bit contagious. Yeah. So that is the hardest part and and they want to feature and they want to be, they want to feel as though they have an opportunity to mm. get into the team and they want to feel as though they are, they're at least being able to contribute a, a little bit or as much as they possibly can. And, and that's the hardest piece of it. But it's interesting from hearing you speak about the French league there and obviously how some games in your head are more important than others, especially like you have to win your home games. Do you find that mental performance or getting yourself to the same mental space is something that may be missed sometimes over there because there are so many different factors playing into each game. Like you might have to travel on the bus for hours to get to these away games. So it's hard to get yourself in the same frame of mind for that game as it would be to, say, a game down the road where you're only going a half an hour and you're turning out at your own home field in front of your home fans.
1: Yeah, like, it's that. It's, it's funny you say that, because, yeah, like, mentally, like, it is pulls apart. Like, you play at home, and the sort of atmosphere in the changing room, like, before the game is just, like, deadly serious. You can hear a pin drop. Lads are just, like, have their headphones in, not much talking, like, load of nervous energy, whereas, like away games it's just completely different like lads are sort of chatting having a laugh about what they did in the train yesterday who won cards on the train up or like different stuff like it's just completely different and then like even the team talk it's like right lads first 10 first 15 like we need to come out of the blocks and like be on it and stuff to give us a chance to then be in the game whereas like when you play at home it's just like we've got to go for 80 minutes. Whereas when it's away, it's like, right, let's try and do a bit for like 10, 15, see where we are. If the home team aren't quite on it, then we can kind of build into the game from there. But it's not like, it's not just the same home and away where like, it's like, right, we're going to, give our 100% all, this is our game plan, we're going to stick to it, we're going to do X, Y, Z to get a win, it's very much kind of let's see how the home team are, if they're not quite on it, then we might be able to capitalise on it, but if not, then sure, look, we're away from home, we'll try stick in the fight, and sure, if we lose by 15-20, we lose by 15-20, so, yeah, like, when I think when you first come over as a foreigner to France, like, it takes ages to get your head around it, I think, luckily now, I'm so used to it, that I kind of you can kind of get your head around it a bit more, and it doesn't frustrate you as much as it used to. But like I remember, even this year, like we had a we had a kind of like a culture meeting, um, talking about like our aspirations for the season and what mm-hmm. kind of team we want to be viewed as, and all this kind of stuff. And uh a lads, one of the French lads, put up his hand, and he's like, "Oh, like we just we need to be unbeaten at home," and. I just kinda of turned one of the last and I was like, why like why is it all this like at home stuff? And then somebody else put up their hand and was like, oh, we need to be a team that like um that yeah, are unbeaten at home and, and we give it a good shot away from home. And I just I I just started getting pissed off. I just bought my hand I was like, here lads, like if you're if you're literally openly accepting losing, then what's the point? Like why are we here? Like what's like we might as well just be like, right, sure. Look, we're just gonna sack off all our away games. We'll just play 15 games at home, hopefully win them all, give ourselves 15 games to to not get relegated. Like, why are we bothering going to the away games? Just leave them. Cause like it's just that attitude of just like See what happens. Like, give it a crack. Sure. Like, if we lose, it's not the end of the world. And then, as well, by doing that, you then they then build the pressure up for home games so much that then when you do inevitably lose a home game, it's like the end of the world. It's like a funeral. Like, people are going around not looking at each other. Like, the president will come in and like bollock people out of it. Like there'll be no like aftermatch function like you'll be getting shitty food handed to you like just like even the dinner people won't look at you and it's like like we might have lost the game at home by one point and we played unbelievably well and we just lost a really good side and they'll treat it so badly like that and it's just oh, you just can't get your head around it. It's bizarre it sounds like it's very putet away from home like it's
0: just like whatever will be will be like yeah. and, and then at home it's like completely outcome focused like it's very hard to focus on the performance because you're so focused ultra focused on the score line um yeah. so then my question off the back of that is obviously you're having to deal with that within the squad and bring your own kind of perspective to it which you've just touched on there and in, in telling the lads like what is this about why are we having this it's not acceptable do you have any strategies that you use yourself to kind of zone that out when you do go away from home to try and get yourself in the same frame of mind that you can perform as well as you do at home
1: um yeah like i think the way i've always kind of pre- like prepared for games has been quite sort of closed off to the outside squad like i'd always just kind of be in my own little little world not too fussed about other people i've kind of i've tried to kind of, as i've got older i've tried to be a bit more of like a leader and realizing that I need to kind of help out younger guys, um, and that's something that's a conversation I've had with the coaches where they just kind of wanted me to be a bit more, sort of like, because of the role I have in the team and that I'm getting older and lads are sort of looking up to me that I need to sort of display that kind of like leadership roles and be like, right, lads, come on, this is what we're doing, we're getting ready for the game, blah, 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 so, um, so I'm trying to be a bit more kind of open in that kind of way, but. Um it is hard, like it is it is tough for for some away games where like lads are just sort of messing around and you can just tell they're not quite on it. Um but I think like I think from my point of view, I just I wouldn't I can't like if I go out on a pitch and I don't give it my all, when I game, I just feel like a dickhead. Like I just feel like I'm I'm a bit of a prick. Like I've just let down like the team, people who are watching, like my parents are watching at home or like my girlfriend or whatever, like I just feel like a bit of a fraud like so you just kind of I think that's the kind of driving force for me is that like if you finish a game and you know that you potentially didn't run as fast as you could when somebody was running back or like you didn't get set or you didn't see an opportunity because of Not being quite there mentally, like that's the worst feeling in the world. Like it doesn't like you can accept if some big, massive lad runs over the top of you, or like you've a kick to win it and you hit it well, but you just it misses. Like that, that shit happens. Like that's not that's not a kind of a mental prep thing, but just like in terms of effort, like you just you can never be getting questioned about your effort if you're if you're a professional athlete, you're getting paid to do it. Like it's that's just your your bread and butter. Like you have to do it, you have to bring that to the table and. I think it's just it yeah, it's just very bizarre when you see when you see lads just not getting up for a game because it's in a different part of the part of the country. It's not in your stadium. And it's just like, what? Like what are you doing? So um I think it is something that I've tried to kind of like I said, be a bit more openly expressive of like how I prepare for games and how some of the other foreigners prepare for games so I'll kind of speak to them and kind of be like right lads let's really try and make sure that we're almost overly like expressive for this away game because boys aren't at it like you can kind of tell like after the warm-up or whatever you can kind of tell where lads are at so um like even an example this year like we played like I said we played Massey who are the team that came up from the division below first game of the season and like first 20 minutes, like we blew them out the war. Like they were no offense to them. They were pretty shit. Like they just weren't at the, at the level. Like, and uh, I think we were maybe 23 points to nil up after like 20 minutes. And uh, then we've had like a lull before halftime, given them like two soft scores, got a yellow card. Then start the second half. You're we like, right, just keep discipline. We end up getting two more yellow cards. We're down to like 12 players. Um, And they've scored a couple more tries. And then the game for a little bit was like teetering like a little, like I think we were maybe up by like 10 points. But like if they got the next score, they would have been well back in it. Luckily, we managed to get a bit of a jammy, like kind of intercept try, which kind of gave us a bit of breathing space. And we went on to win like 40-27 or something like that. And at the end of the game, like the boys are going mad, like celebrating, loving life and all this. Uh, I genuinely reckon I was probably one of the most pissed I'd been since I've been at the club because I was like, we should have put about 80 points on these lads. We should have got a bonus point win because we didn't get the bonus one. Mm. That was the thing. And like in the change room after, like they love taking like a, they call it the photo of the, of the win in France, where like if you win away from home, you all take a big squad picture and they put all over their social media being like, oh, we won away from home and all this shit. And like, I genuinely didn't want to be in the photo. I like hit at the back. I was just like, this is embarrassing. The lads are like jumping around the changing room. Like fair enough, Be right yeah we got the win fine first game of the season but like for me it was just about like we need to change what's acceptable at this club like what our standards are like if we want to move forward as a club we can't be happy with just getting a win like we need to be like a performance based team rather than an outcome Mm -hmm. and they were just oh we've got four points on the board whereas i'm looking at it going we've just played the worst team in the league by an absolute mile in their first game where they're not up to speed with the league we've got to be smashing them and putting 60 points on them and like lads just couldn't see that they'd be like coming up to me like peter what's wrong like you okay like what's what's going on like and i'd be just like don't speak to me like i don't i don't want to talk to you like go away from me like this is not this is not acceptable so um so yeah that's that kind of stuff is quite frustrating but yeah it sounds
0: like it sounds like that intrinsic motivation and and you being very internally kind of motivated and able to push yourself and unaccepting of lack of effort or unaccepting of responsibility Uh, like Mm. you accept a lot of responsibility for your own performance and effort and that comes Mm. very naturally to you but you just touched on there that they're asking you to go into more of a leadership role and it sounds like you have a lot of leadership qualities, but the one that you touched on that you've been working on there is being more openly accepting. So does that not come as naturally for you? And do you think some of that might come down to the fact that through your youth career, you played predominantly at out-half where you just have to drive standards left, right and centre?
1: Yeah, like I, I do think that is one thing that I'm not very good at is like accepting that people potentially like don't operate the same way that I do. They don't think about the game the same way. They don't think about life. Like obviously everyone thinks differently, but yeah, I think like that is something that I've had to kind of try to get. I think I'm still in the process of doing it. I don't think I'm by any way there yet, but yeah, just in terms of realizing how different lads respond to different ways of speaking to them, like different lads have different goals in their rugby career, what they want. Um, different metrics of how they judge their own performance and stuff um but yeah I think like in terms of the effort thing I think like when I was I was at Eating Trail Finders and like their the whole sort of mantra there was just that we would be the most hardworking team and like I know a lot of teams do say that and it's kind of like oh yeah we'll be the fittest in the league we'll be the most hard hard-working. but like they actually put that into practice like all our games like I've never been at a club where the GPS stats were used that much in terms of like, like team selection for like reviewing games. Like they'd literally break it down and be like, "We might have we might have been beating the team by thirty points, and we had we had a kick off after." 62 minutes and they'll pull up our winger stats on how quickly they ran to chase the kickoff and they'll be like you were only at 82 percent of your top speed why weren't you above 90 which was what we agreed at the start of the year right you have to be above 90 on every kickoff chase and if you're not why aren't you like you're you're basically cheating the team so i think i have that system because i was there for three years i think i have that system drilled into my head that like there are certain times in a rugby game where your effort has like there's no excuse for your effort not to be maximal like obviously there are times maybe you've hit two rucks quickly and made a tackle and then you're having to run back as like an escort and yeah you might be blowing out your arse and in those situations I can be like right fair enough but like there's times I don't know
0: where- though I don't know like you can still give
1: the maximum effort that you can give at that point oh yeah, yeah of course yeah 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 but yeah. it might be you might get overtaken by one of their lads yeah. who have- yeah, I get that's, of course, yeah of course like you'll give your max yeah but it just your max might not be good enough whereas yeah. like from from like set plays or stuff like that like where you can run at this speed i expect you to run at that speed so yeah so i think it's just that that's drilled into my head that i just like for me that's just like non-negotiable and i think in france it can get quite frustrating sometimes because lads will just sort of conserve conserve MDG. energy with uh that can be, that sounds incredibly
0: frustrating for sure. Um, but it's not just in France, like maybe it's more prominent and you're, you're seeing more of it, but it does happen all over and it's hard to kind of get that out of a culture once it's in there. Um, yeah. But I, I get what you're saying as well about the, the communication and your delivery of how you're communicating with different people. And I think like a lot of that as well comes back to the fact that you're playing 10 you have to be so direct on the field and and you're not thinking about okay how can I give the best picture of what I want here you're thinking about how few words can I use here for him to know what I mean and then sometimes that carries over to off the field and you start communicating with people that way as well but if you think about it you were you were taught and drilled to to do that and speak that way and be that direct in communication for years and years and years so it's going to be very very hard to unlearn that
1: Mm, yeah definitely, definitely to give
0: a little bit touch of more i don't know what you'd even say like a little bit more um openness and acceptance to the way that you're communicating with people and waiting for them to give their feedback back to you being an active listener. And then giving your perspective, that's got to be tough as well, especially when you're tasked with it and you're already at the start of the season, you're feeling yourself from you speaking there that we can be doing better here. We should be doing better.
1: Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Like, uh, um, yeah like it's just like you say like it's just all all about how you speak to people and yeah like it does it can be challenging at times and as well when you throw in like a foreign language into the mix as well cuz like mm-hmm. obviously my french is my french is pretty good like i'm not not going to lie about it but when you're having that kind of in-depth conversation with somebody like it is quite hard to sometimes fully express what you're trying to say and get it across in the right way as well um so yeah that just adds adds a bit more a bit more difficulty to it so but yeah we'll get there we'll get there you get there for sure but it it does sound like
0: as well that you're at a stage of your career now that you're pretty confident in your abilities and as you as we touched on earlier you had a great season last season picking up the player of the season award and then obviously your performances that you've been stringing together have been fantastic and that's why they're asking you to go into that leadership role this year and and take a few of the younger lads under your wing. But from hearing you speak in the past, it seems that there have been peaks and troughs in your confidence through the years, but do you find with the experience that you've gained through your career now that you're able to keep that confidence at more of like an even keel and keep it more level and stable rather than having those peaks and troughs when you've had a bad game or um, even not thinking that you're the bee's knees when you play out your skin some days
1: yeah for sure yeah like it it is like probably one of the hardest things like where yeah like if you're if you're kind of say like when you're younger you kind of I don't know there's I feel like there's a lot more going on when you're going into games in your head like you're kind of you're thinking about this that and the other and there's a lot of there can be a lot of distraction whereas I think when you get a little bit older and you've played more games it's just it's just a lot quieter in your head you're kind of like i've done this so many times i've played x amount of games like nothing nothing too crazy is going to happen in this game like i'll be fine like and it's just like knowing that and then i think as well the more the more games you play and the more mistakes you make or good things you do you sort of realize that that like you, how you sort of, if you make a mistake in the game, like it's not the end of the world. Like for you, you might think, Jesus, that's such a bad error. But like somebody watching the game isn't necessarily going to potentially even notice it. It might be that small. But for you, you think in your head, oh, Jesus, like I'm after fucking up real big time there. But it's just being able to kind of be like, right, okay, I've made an error. What's my next action going to be? Whatever it is, just do that as best as you can so whether it's just like an easy two meter pass off your left hand just make it an easy two meter pass and then you just build from there um and i think it's just not like it's just not worrying like about mistakes it's like they will happen no matter what like you'll always make mistakes like the best the biggest superstars on the planet like make mistakes so if you go into a game being like oh geez like what if i do this what if i do that it's like it's not benefiting you in any way because you're just going to start thinking about negative stuff. So it's just like, it's like the acceptance of, I will make mistakes in this game. That's, that's going to happen. Don't worry about it. Just comes into your head, chuck it out, comes in your head, chuck it out, move on to the next thing. And then the same on the flip side, you do something good. Like there would have been potentially games back in the day where I would have done something unreal. And for the next five, 10 minutes, I'm like, geez, that'll be class. I can't wait to like show the boys that on video or like, can't wait to review that on a Monday morning. I'll be, I'll be deadly. I think I'm the big man. And then five minutes go by and you've potentially like had your head in the clouds thinking about that. So I think, in the same way as like negative things happen, if a real positive happens, you've got to be able to just be like, right, cool, yeah. I've kicked a 50-meter kick or I've made a 60-meter line break or I've thrown an unbelievable pass. Well done. Who gives a fuck? Like, move on to the next thing. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, you're only as good as your next action. So just get on with it. So I think it it works both ways. It's just kind of, like, I think just being very, like, in the present for the entire game, not thinking about previous things or thinking about what's going to happen. It's just, like... I am where I am right now and that's all I can control and that's all you should think about because everything else hasn't happened yet or it has happened and it can't benefit you in any way. So, um, so yeah, I think that's kind of definitely come with just, like, experience and playing games. Um, And, I, yeah, I think it is definitely something that has sort of changed as I have got older because I think that was probably one of my bigger criticisms, especially when I played in England, was that I would do some unbelievable things in games and then do some very average things in games. And also I would potentially string together two or three very good games and then I'd have a string of maybe two or three games where I was either pretty average and not really noticeable or fairly poor. I think that was kind of the criticism, whereas I think sort of since I've been back in France, I think I've managed to kind of always maintain a certain level that's acceptable and then go above that but never sort of dip below that i think that's probably one of the one of the biggest sort of things that i've noticed in my own game over the last probably three to four years um so yeah it's just sort of something to keep keep tipping away on and um and yeah
0: yeah well it sounds like it's something that you've definitely learned from over the years and it sounds like you're in stark contrast to the mental perspective and the way you approach the game in your youth so Mm. i kind of wanted to ask you then what would be your advice to young 10s or 15s in relation to the way that they approach the game and the way they think about it because it sounds like from what you just touched on there and i was actually going to ask you um, straight away after was it sounds like you're very present in games and before games, if any of that worry does come up, you're well able to tell yourself like there's nothing going to happen here that I haven't experienced already and that I haven't dealt with. And I'm well able to deal with absolutely anything that is thrown at me here. So there's no reason that I can't go out
1: and do it today. Yeah. Well, I think it's funny, actually, I think another thing that's changed a lot since from when I was younger was um, I would use music before games quite a lot like i'd just have headphones in and i'd just be off in my own little world and i started doing quite a lot of sort of mindfulness stuff and like breathing breathing stuff and that's obviously all about sort of acknowledging where you are like hearing sounds smelling things whatever it is and i think from doing that i actually stopped listening to music on the day of a game um so when i'd be sitting in the changing room I'd be sitting in the changing room. I'd just be taking everything in, so like, like just noticing things. So like studs on the floor, or like lads taping their ankles, or taping their knees, or like the smell of like DP. If lads were using DP or like sticky spray or whatever it is, or and then taking that onto the pitch as well. So like. When you run onto the pitch, just being so aware of everything like crowd noise, like what the pitch feels like, like the air, everything, like, and just taking it all in. I found that that kind of helped me stay very, like, here and now. Whereas, like, before, in terms of music, I'd be sort of in my own head with the music and I'd be thinking about, like, stuff I was going to do in the game and, like, depending how the music was, if it, if it was like quite upbeat and I'd be like oh this is class like feeling real good um and then even like on the pitch then as well like you'd be kind of you'd almost try and like deliberately block out the crowd because you'd think you sort of needed to especially like with with me plays kicking yeah like when I was younger I'd be kind of like oh the crowd would watch me right just block it out just go into my own technique whereas now I'm like the complete opposite now I'm like there'd be times I would be potentially kicking and I can like I can hear specific things people are saying and I'm like registering that and like so uh, me as a younger guy, I'd have heard that and been like, Why are you letting that get in your head? Whereas now I'm just like, if I'm setting up for a kick and I hear somebody say like, Oh, you're fucking fifteen's a lanky string of piss or whatever, I'm just sort of like, Okay, you said that, cool. Right. And now he's not talking and now I'm still in this process of hit hitting a kick nothing has changed like it's it's just stuff that is happening and I think just being aware of that and just it just has sort of kept me very like in the moment and you're just accepting of everything that is in that moment and then you're able to just go and go and perform and I think that for me has helped me a lot whereas like I said before like where I was using music and trying to sort of block things out it just made it worse um
0: it sounds like you have a great deal of trust now or more trust in your process and in your skills especially in place kicking in that you know that even if these thoughts come they're just going to go out and I'm still able to kick this ball over the the post because I've done it so many times before and that is a big struggle for a lot of young athletes and young place kickers and I loved what you said there around using music because I often find that Especially with rugby players, if you're using music to get into a mental position, firstly you probably should try and use the same type of music. Um, mm. but I don't really think it's that appropriate if you're in a decision-making, uh, position or a position where you have to be aware because that's what you talked about awareness um, yeah. because. Obviously, if you look at states of arousal going into a game, if you were going to be playing in the back row or you're a player that's just going to be running into lads and trying to smash lads, it's fine to be listening to the Gladiator soundtrack before you go out there or listen to Roy Jones Jr. or Dr. Dre or any of these lads because you want to feel like a badass. You want to be pumped up and you want to be ready to go. But if you're in a, a 9, 10, 15, where you have to communicate, be very aware of your surroundings and able to pick up on every little thing so that you know how to react and communicate. It's not mm. going to benefit you to be hyped up on caffeine gum and absolutely raring to go and smash lads. Cause sorry, buddy, you're only 80 kilos. You're not going to smash anyone anyway. Like, um, yeah. so play your own game. And that's something that a lot of youngsters don't realize is I don't have to do the same thing that everybody else does. I can do what gets me in the right frame of mind to play the game. So it sounds like you have a decent routine there now, and you've touched on trusting your skills and and backing yourself um to execute. How important has developing your skills and doing extras outside of your team trainings over the years been to you in being able to now back yourself and trust your skills to deliver on game day
1: oh, massive uh, like especially like in terms of the kicking side of things like that's something that I've done literally since like, since I was walking pretty much, like it's always been my main sort of selling point. Um, And like I'm at a stage now where like in terms of my technique and stuff, like it's so nailed, I like, can literally do it with my eyes closed. Like, so I think, I think that's something that, yeah, you've got to put the work in early. Um, and I think like the way I am now is like, obviously I'm going, I'm going on 30 this year and like my sessions during the week, like in terms of the actual place kicks that I do that are actually in a rugby scenario in terms of like in locations that you potentially be hitting kicks, like conversions or penalties. I mean, per week I might be taking maybe 20 tops in a week. Whereas before, like when I was a lot younger, I'd be probably in the hundreds easily. Um, and I think it's just like now that my like I know what I'm doing, like my technique isn't changing. I know I know what way I need to be. So now it's just like little minor tweaks of like potentially if I miss a kick the week before, I'll look back at that and see what potentially had led up to that, like whether it was late in the game, I was a little bit fatigued or whether it was early and I was a little bit too kind of like, I hadn't quite got into the games, you know? Um, So it's just sort of looking at little factors like that. And then a lot of the time I do very like, like not real game scenario kicks. So it'll be like maybe five meter, 10 meter kicks on like very tight angles with like no run into the ball. Like just literally my standing leg and my kicking leg, just like just a swing. Um, Cause I picked up quite a lot of stuff from, from the NFL. I looked at a lot of some of the kicking coaches in the NFL and I picked up some stuff from them. Um, And yeah, I think it's just like, especially as you get older, like your, your body you need to look after your body as well. So, so like obviously kicking stresses your groins and your hips out quite a lot. So again, it's just like sometimes after like our long our long day be our Tuesday, like by the end of a Tuesday session, you might be that broke up that you, you can't kick properly. So it's then about being able to like figure out ways that you can still do a session for maybe 10, 15 minutes and get something out of it, but it's not it's not at full 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 throttle um so I think that's kind of that's quite a big thing um and then in terms of just general rugby stuff as well like away moving away from the kicking like in terms of like decision making passing tackling that kind of stuff again like for me I've always found like it needs to be short and sharp especially like my defensive side like Rocking and tackling which i have like tackling in particular i feel has come on massively sort of the last four or five years I'd, I'd say like when i was younger that was quite a weak part of my game whereas now i'd be quite comfortable with it um and i think that's come from just like sort of little five minute blocks where you're going at match pace flat out might be into bags but it's it's at it's at that match speed whereas potentially before that i'd be doing it at the end of the session but it would be kind of at like 50 percent pace and it's just not realistic so like it's like stuff like that needs to be done at the speed you're doing it in a game um and especially as well like a fullback um i think that was one of the changes from moving from 10 to 15 was my passing skills when you're passing at 15 you're doing a lot more passing at high velocity running whereas a 10, it's at a lot lower velocity, so the pass is a lot easier. Whereas when you're coming onto the ball at 15 and potentially having to hit a winger flat, usually the stakes are a lot higher because it's usually the last pass and it's the pass is going to be a try and you're doing it at pretty much flat-out pace. So again, it was like at the end of sessions rather than just standing 10 metres away from a lad static and just like doing these ones, it was like, no, I'm going to do three passes off my left, three passes on my right, but I'm going to do it after a 40-meter build-up and I'm going to receive a ball at probably about 80% top speed and then fizz a pass and I've got three attempts and they have to be good. Um, so I think it's that kind of like changing how you sort of training more intelligently, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as well, there's one other thing as well. Like if, if I choose right I'm going to do three three reps on each hand or three reps on each foot I will only do three reps on each hand or three reps on each foot regardless of the outcome like if they're all shite then they're all shite that's something that then I have to deal with until the next time I go out on the pitch and I have to I can either think about it I can stew about it, I can do whatever I want with it but I think that's something that I've found mentally is quite good is that like you if you if you say right i'm gonna do five kicks to finish training i need to hit i need to try and get five from five and you hit zero from five a lot of lads will be like right i'll do another five and stay out again now i'll be like not right i've hit zero from five deal with it and you come back the next day or you come back in two days time and then you go again and what you'll find is when you come back you have that zero from five in your head and you're like right i need to be spot on it today and you won't hit zero from five um so I think it's just like those little things that come with experience of just how to train a bit more intelligently and just get, them, get the max out of yourself.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like it's very much quality over quantity, which is a mistake that lots of youngsters make in, in the quantity of execution, of skill execution. Because if you do 100, as you said, they're not going to actually be 100 at high intensity or 100 high quality reps because you're doing 100 of them. How are you going mm. to be as focused on the fifth one as you are in the 95th one? Like, um, yeah. because they don't mean as much. And as well yeah. as that, when you go away from the pitch and then come back, it's a new day. Like it's a it's a new frame of mind that you're in. You're in a new state of readiness with your with your physical body, like and and where your performance is there. Like, and it allows you to be okay with failing a little bit yeah. because if you have that in your mind that I have to get five from five here and I'm not moving on until I do, you're going to have a very negative perspective on failure. Whereas if you fail some days, then you know, well, at least I'm trying here because if I'm executing five from five every day, am I taking five hard kicks? Am I really challenging myself? Because if I'm kicking everything over the bar and I'm missing some in train or in, in games, Um, if I'm kicking them all over and converting in training and I'm missing some of the kicks in games, then there's something to miss there. You're either having kicks in training that are a lot easier. You're missing something in terms of your mental approach um, or simply put, you're not putting together what you've been practicing or you're not putting together on game day because you're not practicing the same way as what will happen on game day in training, which is something you've touched on there. So, do you think that is something that you missed as a young lad? Like you were like straight out of the book of Johnny Wilkinson. Uh, yeah. I have to do more than absolutely everybody if I'm going to be better than everybody.
1: Yeah, a little bit. But yeah, I think I was definitely more quantity focused. Um, and part of me, sometimes, I kind of sometimes think that you have to get in a certain amount of quantity because mm. obviously you only do limited reps you're not getting those kind of routines nailed, so I think it's. I think potentially when you're younger, you need to. It's like a, it's like a fine balance between the two. Vary, it's not, yeah, I need to vary it. Like it's variance. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I think yeah, like when I was younger, I think it was definitely like I'd be going out with a bag of balls and I'd be out there for an hour and a half, two hours, and I'd be kicking. God, I don't. Know, I don't even want to know how many kicks I'd be hitting. But, um. Yeah, it was very much like. I have to hit this amount of kicks till I can go or whatever. And I'd be thinking about like that all the time. Um, so, yeah, I think if, yeah, like you got to kind of find a fine balance between the mm-hmm. two. I think once you then get older and you kind of get more experience, you then can train a bit more intelligently and you're doing slightly different things. Um, but yeah, I think if if I could go back, I'd probably make a few Little tweaks and adjustments, but
0: you know the funny thing about that as well is when you're doing that when you're younger and you're going out for an hour and a half, two hours, like multiple times in a week, and especially when you're in that growth period of maybe the ages about sixteen to twenty or so, and everybody else is doing the gym and getting bigger, and you're like, why, why am I not able to put on weight? Like it's like, here, mate, you're going out kicking for two hours. Four uh, times a week like will you relax the cacks as well as probably asher uh, sure, i'm at the pitch i might as well do a little bit of fitness at the end to finish it uh, so your uh, training volume is far higher than everybody else so of course you're not going to be able to put on weight because uh, when the props show up they're literally showing up to train and going home and, and eating straight away afterwards and they don't do uh, anything else outside of that maybe gym if they're if they're a bit of a gym junkie but uh, uh that's an interesting one for young athletes as well so what would be your major pieces of advice for players at 10 and 15 that have aspirations of playing at the highest level?
1: Um, or even
0: any players in general. I suppose in the back line is probably the most appropriate.
1: Yeah. Um, I think probably, in terms, I suppose if I speak from a 10 and 15 point of view, I think one of the biggest things I find is like communication. Because as I almost feel like the 10 is like the 10 is the main communicator in attack in that he is like deciding where you play, how you play, where you're gonna attack, this kind of stuff. Obviously 15 can kind of have a bit of an influence on that, but not quite as much. Whereas the 15 is very much the defensive leader because as a 15, you're almost you're almost like a goalkeeper in soccer. In the you're at the back, you can see everything in front of you. You can see how the other team is is attacking. And it's for me, like people might view a 15 and be like, oh sure, they're they're out the back, they're away from the front line, they're not they're putting in any tackles and stuff. But you're almost like the general in terms of moving your troops where they need to go. Because mm-hmm. especially like if you're a, if you're a 15 who's played quite a bit at 10, I sometimes find I can just pick out the other the opposition's ten, and I just I almost watch him. Obviously, you got to keep an eye on the ball as well. You got to keep an eye on nines are picking around the fringes. But if you just watch their ten, you can often often see where they're going to be attacking before they do. So then you can kind of speak to your front line and get, and you can stop lads overfolding or like you can potentially hold players back in the short side when you know they're going to bounce back and stuff. So I think. In terms of for young lads, I think definitely the communication aspect, um, when you're playing a 10 and 15, it's just massive. And almost for 15, it's almost like doing like a running commentary during the game. Like I'll almost be talking to myself in the backfield, being like, right, 10's gone this way, or oh, nine is still there, the blind wings hanging out the back, they might be going back to blind side. And I'll just kind of be talking that. And then anytime I see something major, that's when I start shouting. And so obviously other people can hear me, but um yeah, I think I think definitely the communication side of things. And then I think as well as just like when you're younger, I think we kind of touched on it earlier where like young lads sort of see somebody do something or they, they watch like their idol do something and they're like, right, that's what I have to do. And I think that can be a good thing, but it can also be a terrible thing because that person you're getting inspiration off is not you. They don't think the same way as you. So you by all means try it but you need to be able to try it and be like "Hmm, this doesn't work for me and you need to kind of get a very deep understanding of how you work as a person and I think a lot of lads get caught up in trying to be like Johnny Sexton or Gary Ringrose or whoever and they try and do that and then it doesn't work for them and then they get frustrated and they're like why isn't this working like fuck 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 and then it's just like it builds up and up and up and then they just get lost so I think it's like it's take. I think it's like trying to get as big a net of learning as you can from a wide range of sports if you're talking like performance wise Mm. and then just sort of try things try things in training try try like the way you go out to training mental build-up whatever it is like just try little bits and see what feels good and what doesn't and then just as you get older I think you'll kind of just fit into one way of doing things or one way of not doing things and you'll kind of develop an understanding of yourself um I think that would probably be one of the biggest bits of advice because I think that's something that I would have I would have used a lot when I was younger. If I if I could have had that knowledge when I was younger, it would have helped me out a lot and I probably would have got further at an earlier age. Um, because I think I was very much like like Johnny Wilkinson was my idol and I just basically tried to be like Johnny Wilkinson, even though that wasn't particularly healthy and it wasn't the best mindset at all. It's not healthy so, at all, really, is it? Yeah. So I think it's like but then there are there are aspects of yeah. his have benefited me as well so I think it's just being able to like nitpick little bits from different athletes or different organizations or whatever and then being able to sort of build it together and then you portray it as this is me this is what works for Peter Leiden. whereas it's not good to be like right I have this from this person and this is what I am and it's Mm -hmm. like you need to come up with your own sort of spin on it and have your own like little niches and stuff so I think that'd be the main thing is, yeah, communications and just really understanding what makes you tick as a person and what gets you up for for, for sport.
0: A hundred percent. And it's knowing what you're good at as well. And another like topic as well, or another way that we're touching on effort like that I don't understand, and I'm sure it sounds like you're very similar, is communication is literally, it, it costs nothing. And it's so beneficial to the team. And I know from a 15 perspective, you're just touching on there, like organising the defence and and chatting to people. It's even more important in today's game where there is the threat of a 50-22. And it's only when you play with a winger that's very vocal as well that you you realise that, Jesus, this is actually so easy if we all just talk to each other a little bit more like and are effective in our communication as well, obviously. And then obviously the, the aspect of being you and do what? makes you think and do what you're good at you touched on their transferable skills and it's interesting because you were quite a promising footballer in the day as well and i think a lot of young athletes miss out because they're of this opinion because they're being told from all angles that you have to pick a sport now you have to pick pick a sport now so what do you think of early specialization and do you think that you gain anything from playing football up to a certain level and then deciding that rugby was the route to go
1: um i think yeah i think like i think kids should try and play as much sport as they can like because if you have like if you take ireland for example if you're playing hurling playing soccer playing gaelic playing rugby like you're dealing with a smaller ball in hurling. You're dealing with aerial skills like that kind of stuff. Like it's, you're only getting better. Like it's mm-hmm. it's making you better all around sports person. So, yeah, I'd be I definitely think that like play the most amount of sports as you can. Um, obviously it does get to a point where certain sports will conflict with each other, whether that's calendar wise or whether it's mm-hmm. body composition wise. Because I think mm-hmm. that's kind of what got to me was that. I got to sort of 15, 16, um, which is when I first started playing like SCT rugby, like in school. And I was being told by rugby coaches that I needed to put on size. But then my soccer coaches were like, you're a left midfielder slash, attack, it like sort of central attack midfielder. Mm-hmm. We need you like pretty dynamic, agile, real quick. Like, and so that was kind of conflicting. So then it was, then that I kind of needed to be like, right, like, which do I want to kind of pursue, like full time, like and put like all my eggs in that basket? And then once you do that, then you can still play your soccer, but you're not doing it to try and make a career out of it. So like I stayed playing soccer, but I was just a very, I was a very big central midfielder. Like while I was there. I'd been quite physical and stuff like that. But um, you were yourself though as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think like. I definitely think it's it's important for, for kids to play as much sport as they can. Like, I think the amount of, like... Because I think even for me, like, I played a lot of hurling when I was younger, and I think that's helped me a lot, like, with my aerial skills in rugby, just being able to, like, know where a ball is landing, stuff like that. Like, you're used to catching a slitter, which is way smaller. Like, you just... It's it's only beneficial. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, like, definitely till you're about 15, 16 play multiple sports, and then sort of around that age, I think, is when you're, if you want to go on and try and pursue it as a career, then you do that and you make that decision. Um, but I think, yeah, like, I think you have to you have to put yourself out there and try, try as many different sports as you can. Um, and I think from a rugby point of view, one thing that I wish I'd done is maybe done like a martial arts kind of um, sort of sport when I was younger, just because I think like grappling-wise and stuff like that would have been... Would have been very beneficial, but um,
0: I think we, yeah, definitely. We Just, miss out on that in Ireland, really, like because there's yeah. no wrestling culture. Or now yeah. there probably is going to be more kids doing jujitsu and whatnot, um, mm. because MMA is becoming a big thing in the country. But I think we miss out on that aspect in in comparison to in other countries, and yeah, maybe definitely. it benefits us to an extent as well. But uh, obviously, it, it's harder to get into the close quarters on a rugby field. And now when they're limiting the amount of minutes that you can do contact as well, it might be beneficial for younger athletes to go out and seek that an external sources yeah. because I've I've spoken about it with Andy Ryland on here who, who's contact coach like there there shouldn't be a limit on contact until they decide what constitutes high intensity contact and what constitutes extensive low intensity low risk contact because if we're right beside each other and we're just grappling as you just said there then there's going to be low risk really and there's going to be loads of benefit to doing that because you're going to get more comfortable in a load of different positions but it sounds like from the whole conversation that we've had that you do have a very holistic approach to your own performance and I know you've touched upon doing extras in terms of skills but also extras in terms of build-ups and speed work and then you've also spoken about how S&C was very important in putting on that weight early days and it's still probably incredibly important for you so do you do much extras yourself in terms of speed work to be able to hit those max velocities in games and continue to push the ceiling on it and get better and better and better and then have you figured out as well in terms of your own body and your approach to physical performance what's the optimal amount to do in terms of not just speed, but s and c in general,
1: yeah, like the way I've kind of done it now since being out in France is like um on our so we have like a speed day, like where we're doing like thirty second passages of play and then like minute rest um, of like fifteen fifteen v fifteen. So on those kind of days are when you're gonna hit your more higher speeds. Um, so what I normally try and do is like at the end of that session, I'll speak to the GPS guy and just sort of get a view on how many high speed meters I've done. And then if I need to do a couple of like runs at the end, me and a couple of boys will just go down the end of the pitch and just do a few like buildups or whatever it is. Um, so we normally just like, we have a new S and Z coach this year is actually very good. Um, so he'll normally just come down and take us based on what our stats are from the, from the GPS. Um, and then yeah, it just gets you used to that those those high speed meters because yeah, like I mean, as you know yourself, like speed, you need to be working on it the whole time. Um, so yeah, I do a lot of that. Um, and then in terms of gym stuff, uh, recently I've actually been doing a lot of um, I I I suffered quite a lot from cramp in my career, um, and we I actually played with a Kiwi guy last year, um. And he was sort of saying that he he had the same thing, like sort of hamstrings and calves. And what he found was doing a lot of like um, strength, like specific strength work on your hamstrings and calves was helping him a lot with his cramp. So I've been doing that a lot, like a lot of ISO holes, mm-hmm. like stuff like that. Um, and I found that's helped a lot. So um, I think when I was younger, I would have, my extras would have been very much about, oh, let's try to get bigger, let's do beach set. Like bench and arms and stuff like that. Whereas I think now it's a lot more performance based and like doing stuff that's actually going to benefit me on a on a rugby pitch rather than benefit me walking down the beach on my summer holidays. So, um, so yeah, like at the moment it's very much, very much a hamstring, hamstring calf based stuff. Um, and then just a lot of flexibility as well. I like to do a lot of stretching and stuff like that. Um sort of found that last year as well when I played I played a lot of rugby last year and sort of around February, March time I just was like my hips were just in an absolute ball. So just being like really trying to like nail like just every evening when you're watching T V or whatever, just to get down on the floor and just like do various different stretches and holds and stuff like that, and a bit of banded stuff. So um so it just keeps you it keeps you ticking over. Um so Hundred yeah, percent that- the main and things.
0: It, it sounds like you're giving yourself the things that you're not getting from the team training sessions um, yeah and that's very important for young athletes as well like they're if your team sessions are absolutely battering you and, and they're getting you to the old school like bronco runs and malcolms and whatnot then there's no point doing an additional fitness at that intensity like you need to probably get out and and train at a little bit of higher intensity. Doing it after that would not be appropriate. You should probably get it done beforehand, or train at a little bit lower intensity if you do feel like you need additional fitness. But probably at that level at that age level for young athletes, you don't need additional fitness. You just need to start recovering a little bit better and managing mm-hmm. your body a little bit better, eating well, going to bed on time, et cetera. But um super chat, man. I think it's time to move on to our quick fire questions. So the first one is proudest
1: achievement to date proudest achievement to date um Jesus uh I'd say I'd say probably just like sort of when I first broke into professional rugby I'd say because it was always something that I wanted to do I'd always been like in terms of with my parents and stuff I'd always said that was what I wanted to do and they were always very supportive of it so um I'd say probably yeah, the day that I kind of broke into uh full pro rugby, I was just kind of like, right, sort of not not that I proved them wrong, but just kind of like it's nice to be able to like since I was like probably six or seven, I was saying, Yeah, I want to be a professional, pressure professional rugby player and to be able to then turn around and be like here um probably yeah, I'd say probably that. Yeah, fantastic. Uh
0: next one is favorite athlete of all time. Um, he's just retired Roger Federer oh really Uh, that's interesting you really are a
1: multi-sport fan then well I think I think as I've got older I've really appreciated like like single athletes more like Mm -hmm. rather than I think those lads like to have the mental ability to be able to just be them out there and do it week in week out year on year like it's just ridiculous like I think when you're part of a team you can the team can carry you sometimes whereas when it's you like you're literally on your own and I think just like uh, like individual sports are just I think they're just a step ahead so yeah, I'd say I'd say Roger Federer and just even just the way he is like as a bloke like he's just there's no kind of like he just doesn't seem like he's like a show-off he just is a tennis player gets his shit done and then goes home and lives like a normal bloke so yeah,
0: yeah absolute legend What's the biggest thing that you've learned in the last 12 months? Uh,
1: last 12 months? Um, uh, I'd say... I'd say just mentally... Because I played, I played a hell of a lot of rugby in the last 12 months. Um, and I think just mentally dealing with that. Um, and as well, just like with stuff that happened last year at our club... Um, with our 10 our 10 killing himself i think just i think the mental side of that um, and dealing with kind of the pressures of rugby when you're playing week in week out and not really able to get in rest because you have to play kind of um I'd say probably yeah, just doing a lot of mindfulness stuff and yeah like relaxation stuff in the evening I think that's probably probably kind of looking after my mental side a lot more.
0: And obviously there's more of a personal focus there on yourself, but has there been more conversations, open conversations amongst players and teammates and whatnot around mental health and how you you guys are feeling and stuff? Has that been a focus point for you
1: guys? Um, A little, I'd say a little bit. I wouldn't say massively. Um, I'd say a little bit. I think it's probably it's probably made me more vocal with my friends, like not in okay. rugby. Yeah. Um, so I think like lads from back home, um, I think that's probably, yeah, it's probably opened up a lot more there um, in terms of lads at rugby a little bit, but again, it's quite like when you're playing in France, like there's quite a lot of cliques and mm-hmm. so it's everyone together. So I'd say a little bit with a couple of the foreign lads that I'd hang around with quite a bit over there. Mm-hmm. So like, Two or three other lads, but other than that, not massively. Um, but yeah, I would have said like. But definitely. within those groups,
0: it probably is happening. Is the yeah, thing as well yeah. within those cliques.
1: Yeah, yeah, which is good.
0: So then, to move on to the final one, what would you tell your eighteen-year-old self? Um,
1: I would say find find your own way. Um just don't be too worried about other people. Um, just focus on yourself and sort of gather as much knowledge as you can and then mould it to who you are as a person and what makes you sick. And don't be kind of thinking, oh, I need to do this because this person does it or this coach might like me more if I do this. Just very much just find out what works for you mold it to how you are as a person and then just put it into action and and don't worry too much about it huge messages in there for
0: loads of young athletes at any level in any sport so peter thanks a million for coming on enjoy the rest of your time in ireland and best of luck with the rest of the season hopefully you can get back to winning ways in the next weekend you're out cheers mate appreciate that